your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Hey everybody, welcome to Asian Pop Nation, aka Sin's resident Asian music and culture show. My name is Lisha, the EP of APN, and let's talk through the two songs that we just played. We played two tracks to come out of Korean girl groups, I've and Twice. We first played the song titled After Like by I've, and secondly, we played the song titled Talk That Talk by Twice. And definitely on this episode, our team are going to do a lot of talking about certain topics that were very relevant during the end of August. As you guys may or may not have known, last week we couldn't air a new episode due to some technical difficulties, so we're doing a little bit of a catch-up session with you guys. So we will not only be playing some songs which came out towards the end of August, but we're also going to be having our team tonight of Lee, JP, Ethan, and Tracy coming together to talk about some really relevant topics that occurred during the end of August. So we've got some of our thoughts and reviews of the new movie titled Nope, and we have some breaking news coming out of Malaysia, as well as some festivals that have occurred at the end of August, such as the Head in the Clouds Festival. And we have a very, very special, very recent segment, actually, to celebrate Tracy's B-Day, my god, as well as a little conversation about fictional Asian dads since Father's Day had just recently occurred. We, of course, can't forget about the music, so let's get back into it with this new song titled Tangerine by Ayumo Aimatsu. Let's jam out to all of these incredible tracks right here on Asian Pop Nation. Hello, hello everyone. You are tuning into Asia Pop Nation right here, right now. And we are just right in the middle of talking about these songs that we just played. We first played the song titled Tangerine by Japanese artist Ayumu Aimatsu from his new LP titled Pixel. We then played the song titled Introduction by another Japanese artist, this time from female artist Sui Sho. And lastly, we played the song titled Jack Sparrow by H3 Hyun, which comes from his new five-song EP titled Surfy Mamda Boy. Now, as we all know, Jack Sparrow is a fictional character from a really well-known movie titled Pirates of the Caribbean, and it is definitely a very nice segue to lean into the fact that we are going to be talking about a movie that just recently came out. I think maybe by now you may still be potentially able to watch it in cinemas. Yes, we are talking about the latest horror slash thriller movie to hit our cinemas here in Melbourne. We are talking about the movie Nope, of course, directed by Jordan Peele. Without further ado, let's get into our review segment right now. Um, so yesterday, APN, we all did very something that's quite uh, unique, quite rare. We all went outside together. Can you believe it? No we way. Grass. Oh my it god! It was amazing. It was great. We went actually. We actually went outside to watch a movie together. A movie called Nope, which is written and directed by Jordan Peele, him of Get Out and Us fame, very well respected filmmaker. Uh, nope features a pretty cool star-studded cast. It features Kiki Palmer and also British actor Daniel Kaluuya, who was also in um, several of Jordan Peele's other works, um, as well as APN favourite Stephen Yun, uh, Michael Winkett and Brandon Pereira. So basically the premise of the film follows two siblings. We have um, Daniel Kaluuya's character, who's Otis Jr., but they call him OJ. Um, and Kiki Palmer's character, who is Emerald. And after the death of their father, they sort of maintain his dying horse farm together um, in Hollywood, in California, called Haywood Hollywood Horses. One day they realise that something has been um, chilling up in the sky uh, this entire time, and they become focused on capturing footage of a potential UFO sighting in order to solve the farm's current financial issues. That's yeah, it premise. was awesome. It was an awesome movie, I must say. Like, it felt so, like, it, it was tense and scary, but it was also kind of weird because it wasn't typical 
and the way it made you scared like it hid so many things from you throughout the whole movie like you had no idea what was going to happen next then you know yeah it was good yeah i went in kind of expecting jump scares right but yeah it's not really a jump scare type of horror film it's like a like a cosmic horror sort of existential yeah and it's like thing. a slow burn like the whole movie you're thinking what is going on like you're looking for the truth and then the truth comes out it's like what it's pretty yeah. crazy yeah and there's uh, all these questions that never get resolved yeah I'm back to differ because I, when we watched the movie together, was just. What? <laughs> I oh well, okay. This comes from me, Alicia, who is a very, very big scaredy cat. So take my words with a grain of salt, listener. But yes, I was freaking jumping out of my seat every five seconds, and Lee, who's like sitting next to me, is just like, "You okay?" Oh yeah, Lee. Okay, she was hiding behind her popcorn. Listen, box. Uh, listen. Uh, I was <laughs> after that initial thing. I was like, oh, okay, it's not that scary also. <laughs> and I unfortunately did not get out of the whole face. Aha, get out, get it. Anyways, but, uh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I was just spooked the entire time. But I did like all the like actual like really scary elements. They were very mm. like, yeah, they were really cool. I really also like the ones which were like, you know, typical like horror, like thriller movies always have scenes where it's like a fake jump scare moment like oh you think something bad's gonna happen but then actually nothing happened i also kind of like those even though i was crying internally but yeah those were great and overall i thought the movie was pretty good but i think i put too much high expectations for it prior to when the movie came out because the cast is beautiful magnificent amazing everything i dreamed of and the I don't know. Again, I think I just had too much high expectations about it. Well, I went in without any expectations, pretty much, and I like enjoyed it. I really didn't know what to expect of it. Um, I didn't watch any of the trailers going in. I went in completely blind. Yeah, and it was just, uh, it was actually quite a funny movie. Like it is, it does yeah, have horror yeah. elements, but it's quite funny. Like a lot of the beginning scenes, uh, especially, are just like kind of played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Not like, cool. Like, yeah, it's it's like a. Yeah, like in a sort of um, wry, dry sort of laugh. Yeah, it's clever, you know, it's clever, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't quite expecting that. I wasn't expecting the setting as well. It's like in a like wasteland sort of, it, like it's in California, right? It's wild, like, wild west, you know, it's just desert. It's set in the wild west, yeah. It's yeah. Set, and the only landmark around is like this tiny little um, like wild west theme park. Yeah. Tiny little theme park. It felt very much uh, like a fantastic it felt like a series of unfortunate events which is like really? a series I, I read a lot when i was a kid like everything is sort of desolate and um yeah just like desolate and all these horrible things keep on happening and no one knows why sort of thing yeah no i get what you mean because i was actually like sort of worried at first because setting wise like you're right it's in the middle of nowhere so i was thinking to myself how in the world are they like gonna make this movie entertaining and like it turns out you can make it really scary like just by being a good filmmaker yeah huh. i gotta say i did love the house the house, the house. yeah it was a really nice house good mountains mm, good mountains for sure um the field the yeah the mountains yeah i, I like them they're very hilly and mountainy we're just gonna keep on <laughs> vaguely hinting at the plot and you'll have to guess what is actually yeah. a plot point and what isn't yeah this whole segment like the feeling you get listening to this whole segment that's how the movie feels it's so <laughs> or vague. We're, just, we're just like throwing wild cards and just like not actually yeah maybe we're just messing with you yeah. yeah we're just really like nature which is like wow the scenery is so beautiful i love rural california yeah Ooh, motorbikes yeah oh i will say <laughs> yeah there's some really nice shots in this uh about motorbikes yeah, yeah there are yeah and also about motorbikes uh, i feel like there's one particular character who's in there for like two minutes who is definitely played for laughs yeah. uh, who's just like wow did he just drop out of a, like a comedy sketch from another show just like okay sure yeah a guy just walked into the wrong set yeah yeah and you're like oh okay whatever yeah it's really interesting the way this film is edited it has these like title cards that pop up that are like names of the horses at the like the ranch that OJ and M would operate, and I guess that sort of sections the movie very nicely into like basically whenever you watch this movie and you see a title card, something's going to go down in the next like two minutes. Dude, this is top. This is top um, alien UFO movie ever of all time. 
Uh, no, no questions. I'm an expert at UFO movies. Do you know that? <laughs> I mean, that's in keeping with your character. I, yeah. I don't think I'd be too surprised if you actually were. <laughs> I wish I was. It would be really cool. Yeah, I it'd think be like Brendan Pereira's character in this. Yeah, actually, it'll be an issue though, because then you know I've already watched something so good. All the other UFO movies would suck. The the movie that came to mind was um Picnic at Hanging Rock. Oh. I'm not sure is it like a like a reference point for anyone else watching this movie. It's like a Australian movie from the 80s. Oh, about like these girls that go missing um at Hanging Rock. It's like in Victoria. It, it's like an Australian film. I said that already. Um, and it has this similar sort of thing where it's like strange, bad things happen and no one really knows why. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's how all UFO movies go. Speaking Ooh. of references, will we speaking of references? No. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Why? There why was one scene that made JP laugh so hard. Yeah. Yeah. You'll when you watch it, you'll know. Just think of anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll come to your mind. <laughs> if you perhaps know what jp is talking jp and lee are talking about um please message us at facebook instagram and twitter via our handle asian pop nation if you get it or very psychic or maybe you just like listen to too much apn uh and can accurately deduce jp's thinking patterns i don't know we will send you a ps5 real (laughs) one we will not send you a ps5 oh okay um, yeah, if you have any thoughts or about this movie or the fact that, you know, it exists, <laughs> please let us know. Uh, and, you know, if you want to let us know any rec- films that you want us to review, uh, yeah, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which I already shouted out. Hello to all of our listeners here on Asian Pop Nation. It's Leisha here, and I'm going to fill in on all of these songs that you heard just now on our show. We first played a really cool alternative rock track to come out of Baltimore band Pink Shift with their song titled Get Out. We then played two Japanese tracks, first coming from Tsukuyomi with her song titled Noisy Rain, which comes from a new EP titled Sing the Moon. We then played another track to come out of another Japanese female artist, this time by Aimon with her song titled The Memory of Persona, which comes from her new LP titled Falling Into Your Eyes. Now, all of these songs that we played just now all came out towards the end of August, uh, which definitely coincides with this really important news that we're going to be talking about since it also occurred towards the end of August. And if you're somebody who is also Malaysian, or maybe you just happen to keep up with Malaysian news, you may have an inkling of what exactly we're going to be talking about. One of Malaysian's former prime ministers was just recently announced to officially be put into jail. Now, there is a lot of information, of course. I think that is a pretty big topic jump to go into, but be sure to listen in right now as we fill you in on all the details by our two Malaysian correspondents of APN, one being myself and another being Leah. So let's cut to our segment right now. So for some of our listeners who tune into our show and maybe you are Malaysian yourself or maybe you know some people in your life who are Malaysian as well, August kind of holds a special place in the month in general. It is the Independence Day that usually occurs at the end of August, 31st of August. Madeka, wahoo, wahoo, love that. But now August also holds another very special place for the Malaysian people's hearts as of the 23rd of August, it was officially announced that former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak has become the first Malaysian Prime Minister to be in prison after failing the final bid to overturn his guilty verdict over the One Malaysia Development Berhad, or we're going to call it One MDB from now on, the state fund case. 
And you may be listening to this, and if you're not familiar with Malaysia politics, you may be like, wow, why is APN talking about this and kind of going like, wahoo moment. Don't worry, I, me and Lee, fellow oh, Malaysians here, will un- unpack will unpack the story. No, you're real Malaysian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for like, I guess the nitty gritty details, he will be sentenced for 12 years in jail, as well as having a fine of 210 million ringgit or 68 million Australian dollars after the federal court affirmed his conviction for criminal breach of trust, abuse of power, and money laundering for illegally receiving $13.65 million from SRC International, which is a former unit of 1MDB. And, you know, I'm mentioning this 1MDB acronym a lot, but what actually is it? It is originally supposed to be a Malaysian state fund that was set up in 2019 by uh, Najib since he was DPM from 2009 until 2018. Welcome to Malaysian politics. Everything's a bit wacky here. Um, and yeah, so he set up this fund and it was originally supposed to be a fund to drive new investments in Malaysia, but local investigators and even this went on international scale as well. So they even had U.S. investigators who alleged that at least $6.53 billion were actually stolen from the fund and were laundered by Najib's associates. And some people also allege that, you know, him and his wife as well were um, also taking out money from there. So essentially using money that was meant to help develop the country for personal gain. Wahoo, we love that. And maybe some econ students are listening. Also, this case makes sound really familiar because it is known to be kind of one of the biggest like financial and corruption scandals just in the world in general. It's pretty crazy stuff. And oh boy, I'd love to be Malaysian at this time talking about Satu this. Malaysia. Satu Malaysia indeed. But yeah, so <laughs> it is pretty crazy news. Pretty big, not gonna lie, because I think Lee confirmed this for me but a lot of us just kind of didn't expect that this would happen prior to pre-covid something like this would unfortunately never really happen in malaysia like he would have 100 percent gotten away with everything Mm. and nothing would have happened and that does have to do with just how unfortunately politics in malaysia does slightly lean on the corrupt end of the spectrum um and we do still at the moment have kind of a one major party that does kind of dominate the entire government system at the moment in Malaysia. But this is really good news considering it's like the first, I guess, right step into something that nobody thought would really happen, right, Lee? Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. What what do you think overall? Well, well um honestly I thought he was already in jail when I heard the news. Mm. So I was surprised. And then I told my parents and they're like, whoa, you're kidding. And I was like, no, <laughs> just look at Malaysia Kitty. <laughs> MalaysiaKitty.com, which is the quintessential journalism website of Malaysians mm. in general. But yeah, no, also, I guess, again, for me and Lee, because we grew up more in like Australia now, we were just under the impression of just like, oh yeah, this guy's just gone forever, full stop. But no, apparently after researching this, so he was like right after he got booted off election and stuff like that, he was immediately supposed to get charged and all that stuff like that. But he has been vigorously trying to change the verdict and stuff for the past few years so hence why for us it was probably like we thought he just was gone but no he was trying to get out of it the entire time and yet here we are here we are but again this is a happy moment because now we're finally in the right steps in the nation government system <laughs> oh my god oh this man is like a freaking menace to society and finally <laughs> it's so good usually i feel like maybe our generation is really resigned to the state of the world where like politicians are always above the law um and justice will never come for them but the fact that this dude was actually sentenced for 12 years Mm. is pretty insane like that's like a long time to be in jail for and mm-hmm. usually, like, you'd expect, hey, maybe you'd get, like, I don't know, three years and a slap on the wrist or something. But no, actually, like, 12 years is a lot of time. No. Yeah, Tracy, you're exactly right. And then I think that also, I guess that also adds to the level of surprise that a lot of Malaysians have as well. Because we honestly got the thought that there would be a potential, like, even one of the former prime ministers, Mahathir, literally said that, oh, I think there would be a 50-50 chance that he will, like, get away with and all stuff, which I guess tells you the state of 
Malaysia, how it is that unfortunately with these things which we know like oh it's so obviously guilty it's still like still feels like it's like a 50 50 thing but thankfully was not the case this time and it's like it's so oh my god it's so surreal and wow people actually facing consequences of their actions who would have thought in this day but yeah i think a lot of people credit to the fact that again with 20 a lot of things happened in like 2018 and pre like right before COVID happened um like parties were being changed and new leaders who we've not seen for the entire time that Najib was the PM of Malaysia started happening. It was a really crazy time. And a lot of people credit to the fact that we had like that whole change of system happening in 2018 that now led to like this point in time now in 2022 and right in the month where Malaysia is about to celebrate our Independence Day. It's looking pretty swell. I, I love I love Malaysia. <laughs> Great I progress. love Malaysia too. Satu Malaysia. Satu Malaysia. People, apparently people are like requesting that this be made like a national holiday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, just Malaysians day. In, that's just Malaysians in general. Any big like monumental moment, we're just like, yeah, public holiday tomorrow, please. Thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just our way of being like, yes, finally another one. Even though I feel like Malaysia is one of the countries that has the most amount of public holidays, but give us another one, one more time for the road. But yeah, this is this is happy news. I'm really excited about this. And again, as fellow Malaysians, it's a good sight to see that we are slowly making the right steps into saving our precious little country. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, final words, Lee, from rep- Malaysia representative number one of APN. He's going to jail longer than he was PM. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is, that's true. He's serving time longer than I guess he served time as PM. Deserve. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> deserve. Can't wait to see. We still have a long way to go in Malaysia. I'm sure it's just gross case in just politics in general across many different countries there's always a long way to go but this is this is progress everyone we love progression i love happy news here but yeah so i guess that is it for apn's little news corner that we had in this show and i guess let us know what you think about some of these news is this like your first time hearing about these scandals and stuff and i guess let us know your reactions to all of these through our Asia Foundation social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes. What up? You're listening to Asian Pop Nation. I'm JP, and we just played Summer 22 by 015B featuring Yona. But before that, we also played Punishment by Indai and Don't Fall Into by Heatmark. Now, Right now, we have a very, very, very special segment because it's Tracy's birthday. Woo! Wow. Clap, 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 clap. Fireworks. Damn, Tracy, congratulations on surviving another, another year. year. You are now one year older. How does it feel? I'd like to thank the Academy yeah. for like, all their hard work on another trip around the sun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's real hard work being alive, that's for sure. But- you can't tell, but as Tracy was doing that speech, we were all totally doing like a standing ovation like we were at the Academy Awards. Like, yeah, I yes. was. I was clapping really hard, but quietly, like you can hear. <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, for, for today's show, uh, knowing that Tracy is our birthday celebrant she actually got to choose uh three songs to throw onto the show so tracy tell us what songs did you put on i got to put three songs on the playlist and it was the hardest playlisting decision i've ever had to make in my one really? year long history at why at oh because with like these like it's just so broad there's no specific theme really the theme is like songs that are important to you or you think represent your past year <laughs> i think i've settled on three songs that i think are pretty good because a lot of the songs that are like important to me are also probably not the best songs ever and then a lot of the songs i find are really really good songs are not songs that are super meaningful to me so i think i've settled on three songs that are like like pretty meaningful and also really good songs so yeah without further ado the first one is 23 by iu and that is Pretty self-explanatory because I'm currently 23. 
But um, this is actually one of the first K-pop songs that I heard and was actually like, that is actually a really good song. Because I was not always an avid K-pop fan. I only got into K-pop around 2018. Before that, I listened to indie rock and I listened to a lot of 60s music and 80s music by like white dudes. Wow, so you used to be cool. To- <laughs> and then how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> and now I'm on Asian Foundation. <laughs> what happened, guys? But 23 is just a great song. I remember listening to that and then putting Chatshire on my Spotify. And just listening to it being like, oh, oh my God, like K-pop actually makes good music. Because previously to that, I think the only K-pop I'd listened to had been like, um, I had a Korean friend in high school and I distinctly remember watching the video for EXO's Mama, where they were all like showing off their superpowers and stuff and laughing so hard at it. We just sat there and pointed and laughed and it was... Wow. Yeah, that was uh, my experience at K-pop. Although another thing I remember from that period is that that specific Korean friend really, really liked Amber from FX because she was quite unique at the time, like a sort of tomboyish girl who wasn't expected to act sensual or girly or whatever. And she could have, she had a hair short always. She was like American, so she could like interact with boy idols without everyone like throwing up a fuss. She was incredibly cool back then. Uh, which brings me to my next song that I've chosen for today, which is FX's Rum Pum Pum Pum. Leisha is like, Heart <laughs> having hit. a moment. Wow, this song. I just can't wait to hear it once we start playing it because, God, it is such a throwback track, but it is, woo, it's amazing. I feel like this is a song that got me like properly into K pop. So basically, um, at the time, I was really into hip hop, specifically, really into Injury Reserve. And they actually have a song called Go With The Gold Wrist that samples this song. Apparently, they uh, heard it in a K-barbecue and they were like, yo, this slaps. And then they sampled it for their song. So I was like, hey, that's really interesting. And then I listened to it and I was like, yo, this song actually slaps. And then I listened to like a bunch of their other songs and I was like, wow, these all slap. And then I listened to like all the other songs that were recommended to me in the sidebar. And that's how I fell down the hole, never to return. Yeah, so that's FX's Rum Pom Pom Pom. It's a pretty timeless song. Like, it's from 2013, right? But it would still slap if it came out today. And my last song is Yellow Magic Orchestra's Kimini Munekyun, which is a super old song, actually. Wait, how old are we talking? 1983? Oh, my God. I put this in because um, my birthday this year actually coincides with Father's Day. And the music video for this song has some incredible dad dancing in it oh my uh, god i'm looking at it right now yellow magic Orchestra's oh my Kimi god it's it's fantastic it's hard to describe with words like you have to see this you really yourself. need to see it to believe it. oh my god the yellow magic orchestra were i guess the first japanese bands to make proper synth music and i really really like that era of music when everyone was like oh my god synthesizers this is a new frontier for music we're in the future let's make music about how we're all cyborgs and aliens and stuff but anyway i fixed kimini munikun not because it's like their best song but it's a song that always makes me happy um and it has an excellent 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 music video please we're please watch. all watching it it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen it's incredible it's like a yeah. piss take of an idol sort of music video or something i don't know because they're idols like if they were like all 40 it's just very very dad i think wow so uh yeah those are my three songs damn the good picks good Amazing. picks tracy especially this last one my god <laughs> happy birthday tracy yeah happy birthday to you hey we can't we're not actually saying this are we <laughs> no we're not doing the full oh. thing it's gonna Aww. sound awful no it's, that's on the b side you're listening to asian pop nation this is lee here and we just listened to the songs that tracy picked for her birthday so these songs were 23 by IU, Rum Pum 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 by FX, and Kimi Ni Mune Kyun by Yellow Magic Orchestra, which has dads dancing in the music video. And on that note, Father's Day just passed two days ago. Yay, dads! Yay. 
basically we wanted to acknowledge the fact that Tracy's birthday coincides with Father's Day and of course we would have these two back to back and talk about some Asian dads since this year so far I think in terms of Asian media there's been quite a push for great Asian dads yeah lots of good dads lately you know I like it good stuff yeah is there any ones that people can just pop up their heads straight away? I have one. Oh, <laughs> you do? What is, who is it? I, after much delay, just finished watching Everywhere, Everywhere. Wait, every, every, huh? Everywhere, everything, everything, everything everywhere, all at once. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Let's go! yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's <laughs> a good dad. Great right, dad. Excellent, even honestly, (laughs) of top quality, number one in our hearts. But what makes him so great, Lee? I'm very curious about your opinion, most since you, out of all of us, have just recently seen it. Mm. I think he is not portrayed as normal dads are in like films that I've seen, which is like superhero, like big and buff and strong, and just like saves the day with like. Uh their strength or whatever but Waymond is like he's just a guy a guy but yeah nice (laughs) he's kind yeah i really like what did he say about kindness he was oh wait yeah be kind be kind (laughs) when when we're all confused just be kind or or something like that anyways uh, (laughs) Waymond is the heart and soul of the whole film like pretty much mm. And he also gets all the best lines in the movie, so... That's true. The laundry and taxes line. Oh, oh my gosh. I was say, it hurts. <laughs> and the line about seeing, like, you know, the positive of life, because, you know, it's like a psychological necessity. Damn, that was a good line. Yeah, That too was good. Whew. He's yeah, great. He's fantastic. He's Another dad that I think also just, I guess, made an appearance this year that... Has a smaller role than Wayman in Everything Everywhere All at Once, but he, he doesn't time travel. He doesn't time travel. Uh, he is one of those dad characters that, like, in the beginning of the movie, is kind of like, like he's there. He's got like some funny parts, but towards the end, he has like a nice heart to heart moment with the main character, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's so cute. Um, I guess I'm mentioning the dad from Turning Red. I thought was really hey, nice. Yeah, yeah, he was nice too. He's so man cool. can cook. Man, he does have like the best like cooking scene that I've seen in so long. And again, he has such a I still remember that little heart to heart moment he has with the main character. What was the line exactly? It was just saying like, oh, you can like throw away your panda side and everything, but it was really fun seeing this different side of you that I've never seen before. And I was like, damn. You know. I've been watching um, Extraordinary Attorney Wu lately. Um, it's a show I really like to put on when I work out. I don't know, just like it like keeps me pumping. Um, but anyway, uh, that show, it's about Wu. She's a like really smart attorney, but she also has autism, so that comes with its own troubles. But she has a really, really nice and supportive dad, too. And, you know, he's interesting. He, like, makes gimbap and... I don't know. He just does his best. He's a single dad, right? Yeah, he's a single dad. Yeah. yeah. That's the like K-drama single... trope. Hard graph, single parent. Yeah, single that's how parent. it is, man. It's tough being a single parent. But, you know, he, he held out, you know, took care of his daughter, loved her. Also yeah. good cook, something he has in common with May's dad. Finley. I don't know what else to say about him, because everything nice I can say about him, we've said about a lot of the other dads, too. You know, just kind, doing their best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess we should have worked up to it. Like, we started off with Waymond, and it's hard for any other Asian Yeah, how do you top? To. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's okay. We can talk about terrible dads in the media. <gasps> no! Oh, my God! <laughs> hey, woohoo. Oh. Did anyone Who? watch Full Metal Alchemist? Can you? Oh, no. I, oh, yeah! <laughs> the, the one with the dog and stuff. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he was of questionable character. He merged his dog and daughter together. <laughs> yeah, remember how we said Wayman was like at the top of the list of the best? That full metal alchemist, like that is like top of the list in the worst for me. Gendal from Evangelion, he sucked too. Get in the Avros. Yeah, get in the robot, you know? Yeah, that's, that's all he does. He just tells him again the robot. I feel like most anime dads suck. <laughs> yeah, <honestly. laughs> 
Either that or they're dead or they're too busy working. Oh no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If yeah. you want good happy dad representation, watch K dramas instead. Really? Is that how it is? Is it the K dramas? Wow. Parents are either very good or very bad in K drama. So you, there's like a half half chance. Whereas with anime, it's like they're either absent or like bad. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my condolences to Japanese people. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Man, hey, but listen, we need more good dads. Come on. Come on. There got to be more. I like the dad from Never Have I Ever, which is like the show on Netflix, but he's dead. So and he's seen, <laughs> every scene about him is just an emotional, like, baiting moment. <laughs> because I'm like, damn, he's so nice, but he's not around in his family anymore. Oh, oh I know an Asian dad we can shout out. Oh, who? who? Steven Yoon. Because he's technically a dad. Oh, Steven Yoon just existed. (laughs) Just just existing, (laughs) just generally in the world. Great guy, probably a good dad. I don't know, I'm not his kid, but like, (laughs) good dads exist in the real world, and Steven Yoon's probably one of them. Yeah. Oh, I've got one. Shang-Chi's dad, what's his name? (laughs) Tony Leung? (laughs) Tony Leung's like Tony Leung's character. Wait, he plays one one Wu. Wen Wu, yeah, name. he's a villain. He's, he's a villain. A villain. Listen, if villain, <laughs> why, what? <laughs> I remember this discourse. Everyone was just like, I don't care about like Samuel, but his dad be hot though. <laughs> and like Tracy said, his character is really the main villain. <laughs> Causing every problems in the movie, <laughs> but he's great. He's great. I, I I love him. I want to be part of that family. Oh too. yeah, Thanos is good too. You know. Yeah. Oh no. Oh wait, no, he's not Asian, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, but and uh, also Thanos is not Tony Leung. Tony Leung just has this innate his sad, charisma, sad eyes. Yeah, takes with his eyes. It's just a Tony Long appreciation segment. He has a fun movie called Tokyo Raiders, which is so bad, but so good. I think it had the same action choreographers as like a few Jackie Chan movies. So it's like very cheesy, very over the top. Might be a good film to watch with your dad. Or a father figure. Or a father figure, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or some random dad you find the street. That's fine too. Or your sugar daddy. How's everyone going to celebrate this day? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him watch Tokyo Raiders. It's so 2000s. It's incredible. Lee, what about you? I will be cooking something. That's cute. That's nice. What's on the menu, though? I have no idea. I was gonna make seafood, but I made seafood paella for my mom's birthday last week. So I don't know. So if anyone has ideas, let me know at Asian Population. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, please send all recipes to <laughs> our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Pop Nation. That is entirely what they are for. Thank you. If you're just tuning in to our show right now, welcome to Asian Pop Nation, by the way. You just come in at a really nice time as we just finished playing some of our song requests that we've had for the night. We first played two song requests to come out of Andrew, first with the song titled I Only Want to Be With You by Seven Flowers. Secondly, we played the song titled Candy by Korean male group H.O.T., And moving along, we played one song request to come out of Matthew with his song titled Storia by Tears. Now, definitely this next topic that we're going to be talking about tonight has me in tears and not in the funny haha way in terms of having tears from laughing out loud so much. More of like being in excruciating pain when our team came across this viral situation that occurred involving comedian Tina Fey. You may know her for her works in Mean Girls, but she's recently come under fire. And why exactly? You are about to hear about it right now. Okay, so breaking news, a TikTok user going by the name of Side has recently released some videos showcasing comedian actor Tina Fey making Asian people the butt of her jokes and purportedly normalizing anti-Asian racism as well. Um, who the hell is Tina Fey, Leisha? Can you tell me who she is? 
Oh my god, you never watched the iconic movie titled Mean Girls? Oh, I've watched Mean Girls. Wait, you're telling me she worked on that? Yeah, she wrote the screenplay. I'm pretty sure she also had like a role in the movie, of course. Oh. She's the teacher in Mean Girls, but yes. Most oh. people know her for Mean Girls, but I think people who are very familiar of like comedy also know that she has worked a lot in SNL and in the comedy series 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She's very well known in like comedy world. Oh, I see. Interesting. Like a well, writer specifically. She's mm-hmm. a very well respected, I guess, writer. Uh, okay, well, not respected anymore, that's for sure. <laughs> At least from us With in all this news. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, a lot of bad news has come out um, regarding this TikTok video. Actually, let's um, let's dive in to the contents of this TikTok video. So, most of it uh, was actually a clip from a 2014 interview with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> anyway, uh, and in this clip... Uh, Faye, she's heard talking about her then two-year-old daughter's newfound ability to talk. Now, I'm going to quote her. Um, Don't clip me on this, but she says, She has a very specific way of talking that I realized she kind of sounds like a prostitute in a Vietnam movie. And then cue the crowd laughter. Ah, ha, ha, ha. You know, um, that sort of thing. And then she goes on to, I guess, mock a Vietnamese accent, comparing her daughter's speech to the lewd, stereotypical depictions of Vietnamese women on film screen. So I believe that was what the TikTok video was mostly about. Um, But there was also some highlights on some other things uh, she wrote, one of them being the 2004 hit teen drama Mean Girls, which, you know, mentioned, where uh, there was a scene where some Vietnamese girls, they spoke out, they spoke out in Vietnamese, right? But the subtitles are literally subtitled as a, you know, N-word please, you know, the sassy sort of way, when like in reality, what they actually said in Vietnamese was something like, you know, please, I wouldn't dare. So... You know, inserting offensive words and uh, just messing up translations in general. Kind of sucks. Let's see, what other offenses has she committed? Um, Korean nail salon workers in a 2015 comedy movie called Sisters. Uh, They speak in broken English. That sort of sucks. And there's also a Netflix sitcom called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which you mentioned, Leisha. There's a character called Dong Nguyen, and he basically just gets made fun of for being Asian. Like, lots of Asian-oriented jokes. So, in light of these crimes that have surfaced on Tina Fey's part, commenters online have gone on to claim that the reason racism is so normalized in the U.S. is because of people like her. Wow, what a big and heavy statement to end that on. Leisha, you're, um, you're laughing. Whoa, okay, wait, that made it sound like so out of context. I'm like, oh, Tina, Tina Fey comedian, I'm uh, going along with her. I am not ha ing it. She's funny in the worst way. <laughs> Like, I am, uh, God, I'm just so, especially the, I guess, as I want to quote JP on this, first offense with the Jimmy Fallon interview. That's just so bizarre to me on the highest level, because that's your own daughter. Why, why are you saying stuff like that? I feel like even, like, God, again, racism, disgusting, trash, but just even removing the race aspect of what she said that in general is just such a weird thing to say man what else is there to say i kind of like man who cares man imagine imagine watching american things just like stop watching hollywood uh are you just saying in general like just don't watch jimmy fallon yeah or just don't watch jimmy fallon there is an ice cream flavor (laughs) that is related to jimmy fallon and the flavor is really good but other than that no just don't watch jimmy fallon um don't watch tina fey don't watch jimmy yeah, fallon. don't watch don't tina watch fey yeah. just, just listen to our show we just give 20 billion better shows and movies yeah just watch, watch dude, just watch anime or something i don't know it's like what a weeb thing to say this is a weeb thing to say it's the only good alternative i can give man are you saying other Asian media is bad and only anime. Oh, I mean, they're good too, but I'm not. I'm not well versed enough to, you know, endorse it fully from my heart. <gasps> we so. talk about so much media featuring Asians and made by Asians on the show. Yeah, may as well. Really. Yeah, man, just watch those, man. Just watch those instead. Um, watch yeah, whatever's going on there in Tina Fey world. Yeah, it's so bad because it's like 
Asians are just the butt of the joke. I guess it's just what her angle is with comedy. Like, haha, mm-hmm. Asian funny. I guess she just. There are rules of comedy, and one of her rules is like yeah. it's okay to make fun of Asians because they, I don't know. I just think if part of your comedy arsenal, I guess, is making fun of a particular ethnic group or going after like just different types of minority groups in society, you're just not funny. <laughs> that's straight facts, no proof. Yeah, wow. yeah, that's uh. <laughs> That's pretty much it. You you put it very well, Lee. I'm not sure. I feel like we've said all that can be said here. Um, Tina Fey, please be nicer. Um, um, I don't know much of your work, but uh, you know, do your best. Do just do better. Do good comedy. Like you can do better. Do yeah. better. Yeah. yeah, just do better. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, I have no ill will. You know, you do your best. You know, you know, be good to the people around you. you know, and that sort also, of thing. like listeners, um, consider consuming things yeah consider yeah not tina fey that's right and also consider um consuming more of us asian pop nation um you can contact us on facebook twitter and instagram at asian pop nation uh if you want to talk smack about tina fey too sure go ahead or if you want to talk about that jimmy fallon ice cream flavor yeah that's good too songs that we played just now on APN definitely boost my mood up to a thousand percent honestly let's talk to the exact songs that we played just now first with the song titled choices by Kaki featuring cold from his new EP titled tide afterwards we played another Korean track this time coming from the Korean artist about with his song titled dandelion and moving along from that, we also played the song titled Summer Love, which is a collaboration by two Malaysian artists, Midnight Physics, featuring Little Asian Thicky. Now, speaking of really fun collaborations, and especially ones which involve a heap bunch of Asian American artists, we are definitely diving deep into the Head in the Clouds festival that occurred last month. So let's talk about Head in the clouds right now. So while we are shivering and freezing our butts off here in Melbourne and you know when it comes winter we have our own winter festivals here and stuff like that but in the other side of the world in America the sun's out and it's festival season and of course one of the biggest festivals especially for us here at APN since we do actually play a lot of songs that come out from these artists that were in this festival is the Head in the Clouds 2022 festival, which is run by ADA Rising. And yeah, Lee, do you want to give a little bit of a background info into what ADA Rising actually is for the people listening who don't know? Pretty much, it's like a two-day festival where a lot of artists signed by ADA Rising and also other artists that I should, sorry. <laughs> okay. Asian allies. Asian, <laughs> the allied Asians. <laughs> um, yeah, and other Asian artists uh, perform for two days in not Australia. So, so this happened on August 20th to the 21st uh, in California. But in fact, it happened on the same weekend as KCON um, LA. So they were obviously confident that these artists were would draw a different audience to the KCON audience. Um, continue. Mm. <laughs> Good fact there, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so some of the artists that played at the Head in the Clouds Festival were Jackson Wang, Rich Brian, Bibi. Question mark, question mark, smiley face. Okay. <laughs> Chungha, Jay Park, uh, one and only, Atarashi Gako, Audrey Nuna, and more. Uh, oh, um, and Nikki was supposed to play, but she got COVID, so she was replaced by... Everyone's Keshi, favorite. Everyone's favorite <laughs> underground uh, artist, <laughs> sad synth boy music. Keshi, yeah. the one and only. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, pretty much, we just wanted to talk about it because, again, it is a pretty big festival that definitely like has its viral moments and stuff. But, like, 
going through the internet and again can't deny the impact that head in the clouds has in general for people who are really into new um, music that comes out from like asian american artists in particular it is a actually a really pretty good platform to listen for those like two-day festival and yeah i guess i'm sorry you guys what artists did you particularly wanted to mention during the festival hey wait. sean the wait. one on the very left Wait, the middle. Oh, that artist. Okay. Do, do you like? Do you like him? I, I dabble. In some I dabble. Music. Um, I really like over twenty eighty five. Oh, okay. Yes, that song. Yeah, I yeah, do know that I one. That one's a really popular song. Yeah. yeah. He's a name that I see a lot on like Spotify playlists and stuff like that. So really, really cool to see him on like live performing status. I don't think I've seen like him. Like I don't know. I just always have this weird thing of like, oh, people I always see on my Spotify, like just playlists and stuff like that. Just never seen them in real life moving and performing. Mm-hmm. I just see them on like my little phone thing. So yeah, very cool. Um, God, what I thought you more. Oh, oh, I was gonna say, God, I thought arresting guys have more to say, but you don't. <laughs> um, I was the only artist I'm really familiar with is Joji, and he wasn't there, sadly. So whatever. Uh. <laughs> I know Rich Ryan. I've I've seen and heard him around uh the place now and then. But I've also heard of um Atarashi Gakko. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know much about their music, but I like their image. You know, their music like, is cool as well. Uh, yeah. Listen to Nine Nine Nine. Nine Nine. Yeah, that was the song I heard by them first, and I was like, oh damn, this girl can rap. Um, really. But yeah, they they're basically four girls um mm. from Japan, and then they've been performing as a group since they were in high school, which is why uh... they perform in high school outfits. Um, and yeah, they basically have one really good singer, and the rest of them are like sort of more dance oriented, but mm-hmm, they can mm-hmm. sing as well. Um, okay. So it's like it's inter- it's it's not like yeah, and their music is just really good. Mm. Uh, yeah, they sort of started off with more sort of jazz influence, really sort of band, um, like live band songs. And since they've gone signed to 88 Rising, they've sort of gone more involved in like hip hop and sort of alt pop and sort of more experimental sort of pop. Um, but the music is always very, very good. And <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check them out a little more than Atarashi Gakko. Yeah. That's all for me, Alicia. Uh, was there any artists that you were... Uh interested in or surprised that they were there oh uh i was okay surprise probably not i feel like the set list i mean i think head of the clouds like 80 risings head of the clouds they've slowly started to solidify like a certain amount of artists that do routinely get put on the set list each year so a lot of these names are not a big surprise to me like warren Hui, uh like Nikki, if she were able to make it, was also a very like common name. Bibi and Rich Brian and Jackson. Again, not surprising. Dumbfounded as well, for like not as much of a surprise. Oh, Millie mm-hmm. as well. I'm like going down the list. These are all not very surprising artists to see. Um, of course, I do like my Stephanie Poetry. Like she was there as well. Um, I think she always brings like such a nice, like, m- like nice, chill, beautiful vocals, like performances into the stage. And like, I mean, there's a lot of artists who are, who are I guess, you would dub them as rappers jay park for one who was there and rich brian as well and um again downfound as i mentioned before so it's nice like again the mixture of genres that we have here as well um i don't want to say each was the one i was most surprised for. i'm not surprised that he's there because he has good connections with i guess 88 rising and their team yeah clearly there is a demand here for artists who are as they typically part of the area rising lineup who are like doing their individual shows and there's a big demand here so please just do a whole head in the cloud show here in melbourne one day please i beg <laughs> oh one person that i was very surprised that was there was michelle Yeo. <laughs> oh my god wait oh <laughs> that is so everywhere. true she is everywhere everywhere everything all at once <laughs> No, oh, that was that was cute. Her little like cameo there. I wish she there doing Jackson's sad like little set moment. I think she was. I don't know. I just kept seeing clips of her with Jackson Wang on the stage. So I just presume it was mm. during his set performance. But yeah, her there, adorable, cute, love her the vids. That's our Malaysian pride moment. This whole show is just me and Lee being like, yep, yeah, Malaysians, we exist and we're the best. 
Damn, every time we talk about it, like head in the clouds, because I think we've talked about it in pause shows whenever it rolls around. The ending note about it is always like, damn, I wish they have it here. <laughs> and I think we're going to be in the similar ending note as well of just like, please have it here. I know you're going to Manila and Jakarta, but make room for little Melvin. Down under. <laughs> Down under. We're a real Down country, under. by the way, guys. We yeah. exist on the map. Look it up. <laughs> look up the world map once in a while you'll see us down there you really can't deny i guess the impact that ada rising as a company has a hold and and also i guess creating this platform and stuff for asian artists to like have a wide odd like i don't know what i'm saying but like you know creating that yeah. space for asian artists to do what they love and stuff like that and be surrounded with other people who are also very proud of like the asian heritage yeah yeah it's like a one-stop shop for like all sorts of artists from around Asia, and you don't really have a an equivalent of that that sort of brings together artists from all over Asia. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's just nice to see it down there, and hence why we want one to come here as well and then discuss about it when it does happen. But yeah, I guess listener, if you are also maybe in the same boat as us and just crying out, "Eight, like any rising, please do ahead of the clouds here one day, maybe." Uh, yeah, share your thoughts and sc- screams and shouts through Asia Pop Nation on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please do come here, I beg. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Asia Pop Nation here with myself, Leisha, plus the rest of our APN team, who you'll get to hear a little bit later after we go through these songs that we just played. Starting first with a brand new collaboration track by Thai artist Millie, as well as Chinese artist Jackson Wang, as well as ADA Rising coming in all together for this track titled Mind Games. Moving along, however, we then played two Korean tracks, starting first with the song titled 458 by Korean artist Six, which fun fact, the song is actually named after the Ferrari 458 a car that allegedly just goes really, really fast. Anyways, moving along, however, we then played the new song to come out of Leo, who you may know to be a member of VIX. This time he has his song titled Losing Game, which comes from his new EP titled Piano Man Up 9. Now, it definitely feels like we are in a bit of a losing game when it comes to talking about this certain video game. There has been a lot of controversy revolving around this certain video game, which was created by Hoyoverse or MiHoYo, and our team wanted to dive into it a little bit deeper as some of our team members actually used to really enjoy playing this video game and kind of seeing the scandals and outrage online. It has definitely been an interesting one that once again our team really wanted to dissect into. So come join the APN team as we talk about the current scandal in regards to the video game Genshin Impact. Hello people who touch grass. Here's some news (laughs) from people who don't touch grass. Oh no. So Genshin Impact recently had an update with a new re- region called Sumeru, which is apparently inspired by Middle Eastern and South Asian culture. And this update also includes characters with the dendro element, which is powers relating to plants and nature. However, Mihoyo is undergoing backlash. Oh, naughty. <laughs> Anyway, you were saying, Lee, why why is MiHoYo under backlash this time? Uh, So with the coming of the Sumeria region, players garnered expectation for more darker-skinned characters, but MiHoYo have so far failed to deliver. So the most recent fuel to the fire is the character Candice. Um, So her skin tone is not as dark as players believe it should be. This can also be said for like a lot of the characters in Genshin. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the frustration runs deeper than the skin tone because players are certain that she's inspired by Kandake Amani Renas, a queen of the African kingdom of Kush. The Kandake is a term that means queen mother and is a title that's been given to dark-skinned women in real history. And alongside Candace's clothing, matching depictions of historical Kandake women and references to her being a descendant of an Egyptian king. 
So fans are upset with her skin tone and modification of her name from the original term. So there's actually over 50 playable characters, but only two are moderately dark skinned but even then they're still like super light skinned um and one twitter user under the candace reveal tweet shared the opinion that hoyoverse needs to be held accountable because taking inspiration from historical figures and whitewashing them to benefit their game then completely ignoring their players is blatant disrespect so lisha as an average genshin enjoyer whoa (laughs) wait lisha you play genshin I don't play dabble. it as well. I dabble. <laughs> My in the, God. That, that's the word. That's a good word. I actually uh. do. I do unironically dabble because I Lee knows my Genshin play. Her, I played it. Oh um, my god, Leisha's gacha luck is insane. She will not play for like half a year. A new character comes out, and if they're remotely hot, she'll roll for them. And she will always oh. get them in like the first 10 or 20 rolls. It's crazy. Anyways, <laughs> um, I've stopped playing. But- <laughs> Continue. <laughs> oh wow, she literally put me on blast so fast. <laughs> it's suddenly Jesus. Um, yeah. So I do dabble on Genshin. I I haven't played it in quite a long, long time. Like definitely more than five months. I feel. Um. So. Wow, you've been counting. <laughs> my I'm I'm like becoming free from Mihoyo. You're, you're touching shackles. grass. Yeah. I am touching grass. Finally, I know. I'm getting sun. I'm living my best life. But as someone who I don't engage in Genshin the game itself, but I unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you see it, do um uh, see Genshin discourse frequently online because I do quite like their fan art so it's just that's just how it is um yes this problem has definitely been a the way I describe it is just that this has been a frequent problem with Genshin for quite a long time now but ever since Sumeru has been announced and all the characters have been announced and now the actual area has been open available to play with everyone it's just more fuel to the fire and yeah I don't know what Mihoyo are doing at the moment behind their little business chairs and stuff like that because the fans are very very upset and I would say kind of rightfully so honestly because this is they've explicitly mentioned that with Genshin regions that they are directly being inspired by specific regions of real life and with other Genshin environments in the past Mondstadt and yeah that's what the two are oh no Inazuma as well oh god thank god the Genshin memory is fading from me but those areas and stuff like that again there's explicit mention of like oh it's really inspired by these regions and the characters and the environment and everything yeah they get inspiration by that and finally we get to the land that is inspired by again middle eastern and south asian cultures and which is in itself like pretty wide already yeah that is yeah that's pretty wide and it kind of reminds me of when I watch Raya and they like to generalize that the whole movie is about South oh, yeah, Asia yeah, yeah. in general. Yeah. When there are so many, again, there's so many cultures within those regions alone that are not, like, you can't equate them to all be the same. So that in itself is already a problem. But yeah, here we are. I will say I do not like this. It's just bad. And I just thinking like, how hard is it for Genshin to, I don't know, listen to what people say and just like, like, hey, maybe we do need to. No, they can't do it, Leisha. It's like, um, it's like, you know, those movies when like you spray holy water on like a possessed person and then they start burning like, ah, you know? think that's me? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, you should just include more like darker skin characters. Like, yeah, just make make their skin a little darker, you know. Like and have then, some inclusive, like just make the game more inclusive for yeah. the players and boost some enjoyment of the game. And they're like, ah, no, no, they can't do it. No, it's like you know, you serve a garlic bread to a vampire, you know? and then, you know their fangs bare, and it's like, you know, ah, oh, this is what you are, you vampire scum. That was such a vivid description of like. Yeah, I got a lot. I got a lot of emotional baggage. You don't even play Genshin, and you you sound like someone who's so invested. Does, You're like, oh. no, player. I don't. I don't play Genshin. I'm just uh, worried about the vampires. No, that's... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? But Lee, what do you, what do you uh, think? Um, yeah, as an avid player, <laughs> actually, I yeah, actually. don't play anymore. What made you stop playing? Just I don't know. I was busy. It was mid. It was mid. 
I think yeah. I got sick of the story. Anyways, okay. This isn't like the first time that Mihoyo or Hoyoverse's fans have been mad. I think the CEO almost got assassinated one time. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, for real? I remember. Oh my god. Like, because I forgot why, but like for another game, not Genshin, but yeah, he almost got assassinated. <laughs> By someone who doesn't touch grass, but ways, yeah, I don't know. Like, dude, it's not that hard to just exactly. That's what I mean. This, like, I don't know what's stopping them. Like, the only dark skin characters are the enemies, right, Lisha? Yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh, which no. is another. This is like a which oh, yeah, says another. a lot. Which mm. says that that says enough about it's another what, kind of words of its own. What Himihoyo is. Thinking and they're literally just innocent villagers, like they're just chilling. Like, and also, yeah. I guess a minor, I a minor, not so minor thing. I was annoyed with Sumer and all that stuff. It's just okay. A lot of the new characters, their names are. I mean, I don't know exactly one hundred percent where they got these names for, but they definitely are inspired by again the cultures and regions that we mentioned a few times, but. These names, which are derived from the real languages of Middle Eastern countries and South Asian, I think predominantly Middle Eastern countries. For some of them in particular, the voice actors do not pronounce them good at all, and it sounds like a completely different name at all. And I feel like it's not that hard to like search. And with MiHoYo being such a massive company at the moment because of how big Genshin is, the word like higher professional dialect people or something like that. I don't know. Not good with words. The dialect like, people. No, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know. No, it's people in no language as well. Yeah. Another one where we'll say MiHoYo do better, and in this case, do better because it really is not that hard. I don't understand the struggle ultimately, and Lee. Um, easy, just just don't play Genshin. Yeah, that's why I stopped playing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. So, if you also don't touch grass and play Genshin, or have any thoughts about this new update, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Pop Nation. We we touch grass though. Touch grass. <laughs> Greetings to everyone who is listening to us right here, right now on Asian Pop Nation, whether live on air or on our podcast. It's Leisha here, the executive producer of APN, who's here to fill you in on all of these songs that you heard just now. We firstly played the song titled One Two Three by Korean artist Gemini featuring Big Naughty, and then moving along from that, we played the song Falling Behind by Icelandic Chinese artist Lofie, which comes from her debut album titled Everything I Know About Love. Such a fantastic album, by the way. Please do give it a listen. Moving along from that, however, we then played the song titled The Romance Before Doomsday by Taiwanese group Four Pens. Now we are definitely in the portion of the show where we do have to say our goodbyes as we have reached the end of our episode for this week. But do not worry, I will give you a little bit of a recap of everything that we discussed, just to give you a little bit of a flashback moment to all of the fantastic topics that our team tonight talked about. We first gave some of our thoughts and reviews about the latest movie titled Nope. As well as some of our thoughts of the most memorable fictional Asian dads in reference to Father's Day, which just recently occurred. We of course also had a very very special segment highlighting one of our Asia Foundation team members, Tracy, as her birthday also just recently paused. But we also had some really fun topics scrambled here and there, such as the Hen and Clouds Festival, which recently occurred at the end of August. As well as some scandals here and there between Genshin Impact, as well as some Malaysian politics, as well. So definitely a whole mishmash of topics. But either way, thank you so much for joining myself, Leisha, as well as our APN team tonight of JP, Ethan, Tracy, and Lee. And before we say farewell, we of course have a couple more songs that we want to play for you guys tonight as a little farewell gift. So now we're gonna. Be playing the song Tao Sul 
by Sonje featuring Tama. So on that note, remember you can always tune into Asia Pop Nation every Tuesday from 8pm onwards right here on Sin. And for bonus content, you can always follow us at Asia Pop Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to our Asian Foundation podcast available anywhere and everywhere you stream your podcasts. Good night, everyone, and stay safe this September.